We are back. Wow. Welcome in to an episode of The Chief Zone. Oh, boy. Uh, I did say this podcast would never come back. And uh, here we are. Never say never, right? Welcome in to this episode of The Chief Zone. My name is Farzine Vasuyan. Big thanks to all of you who are making this podcast part of your day. I see a lot of you guys are coming into the live stream. Yes, we are streaming live on Facebook and on YouTube as well. So thank you guys for taking the time to make this a part of your day. Very excited. A lot of things to get into here on this episode of The Chief Zone. Going to be talking about Chris Jones. Can we get a deal done within the next 10 days before the team reports a training camp? And if so, could that also be a domino effect to get DeAndre Hopkins in Kansas City before training camp or early in training camp? We'll talk about those two rumors and the latest on both of those. Also, Kadarius Tony involved in a bit of a social media spat with a Giants fan. Yes, we're going through this again with a player on the team. Not good. We'll talk about that. Also, I'll give my thoughts on Netflix's quarterback series. Very good series if you haven't had a chance to catch it yet. No spoilers, even though you guys all know how it ends. Uh, no spoilers, but I will give you guys my thoughts on that. Just, just generic thoughts on the show. Again, not going to give away anything too crazy. And then we'll talk about the uh, the super fan that's been getting a lot of attention. Good old Chiefsaholic. He has been caught the details in that are insanity. Uh, just all sorts of craziness. And the fact that the guy is even famous, I guess, uh, we'll talk about that as well. See, a lot of you guys are watching right now on Facebook. Much appreciated. We're streaming this on my Facebook page, Farzim Vesugian, also on the Chiefs Zone Facebook page, and also on the Chiefs Zone YouTube page. So if you guys are watching from any of those pages, much appreciated. Uh, please uh, be a part of the conversation. Don't just be a lurker. I want to hear from you guys. If you guys have anything that you want to say or chime in uh, while we are uh, discussing any topics, you agree, disagree, you want to give in with your thoughts, uh, comment below, please. I've got the comment section pulled up in front of me here. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this. Um, because I know it's a big thing that a lot of you guys have been asking about. First of all, let me just say, I appreciate all the support for the podcast coming back. Uh, a lot of you guys, uh, have been asking if I would ever bring this back, even though I said, no, I was done with this three seasons, three years ago, essentially. And, uh, a lot of you guys may be asking, you know, what's changed, uh, you know, uh, perhaps monetization, uh, and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but I will say this, um, Part of me has, has wanted to do more video content, and I thought, you know what? What if I did that more alongside the Chief Zone? I just thought it'd be very good. Uh, so for those of you that are uh, that have listened to the podcast before, welcome back. Thank you guys so much. And for those of you guys who have never listened to an episode of The Chief Zone before, much appreciated. For those of you who are downloading, listening, we are everywhere. Apple, Spotify, Google. Uh, well, Stitch is no longer a thing, but iHeartRadio, all those places. Uh, check us out there. Um, and uh, if you miss any part of the live stream, 
uh, you guys can uh, catch the podcast version. I am streaming a little earlier on in an afternoon. I, it's three o'clock uh, Central Time as we do this. Normally, we're not going to do things this early. The reason I'm streaming early is because I wanted to get the recap, uh, or not necessarily a recap, but just my thoughts on quarterback. But I also need to do this before the ESPYs because tonight is going to be very. Uh, it's going to be a busy night for the Chiefs. We've got Patrick Mahomes who will be in attendance. He's obviously up for a couple awards including best team and best male athlete uh, and best NFL player and you also have Travis Kelsey who will uh, present uh, at some point tonight not exactly sure when Donna Kelsey is also going to be in the house not exactly sure what her role is going to be I'm sure she's, she's going to be doing something cool especially with all the things she got to do during the Super Bowl so I'm sure we will hear from her at some point so it's going to be uh, filled with a lot of Chiefs tonight at the ESPY so uh, I don't want the podcast to interfere with that uh, tonight uh, so Normally, we would do this in the evenings. Uh, my plan with this is to do a Chief Zone on Wednesdays. And then Fridays, we will do Red Friday live streams. That will not be uploaded to the podcast feed. So that will be exclusively on Facebook and on YouTube. So the Red Friday live stream discussion, it's basically going to be a live chat with you guys. You ask questions. Uh, it's supposed to be a and a And I'll give my thoughts on all that as well. It's going to be a more of a relaxing version of, of the Chiefs, a more casual version of the Chiefs on podcast, if that makes sense. Um, the podcast is only going to be uh, Wednesdays. As far as game recaps, so we do Facebook live streams before, at halftime, and after every game. The post-game live streams, that I will directly put on Facebook. We did all the uh, the call-ins last year uh, after the game, and those are a lot of fun. I love to hear from you guys. I've been doing that for a few years now, and I want to continue doing that with you guys, especially with that uh, capability that Facebook has allowed to uh, allow people to call into uh, post-game live streams. So, uh, a lot of great things really coming around. So, if you guys uh, the Facebook and the YouTube pages are the ones I care about the most. But if you guys are so inclined, uh, you guys can also follow the Instagram t uh, and the TikTok uh, accounts for the Chiefs, and as well as my personal account, because I'll be uploading the same things on there. So a lot of good stuff coming your way. Uh, a lot of lot of video content, a lot of uh, my reactions, commentary, all that kind of stuff. So. I see a lot of you guys, by the way, in the comments, uh, a lot of people want to talk about Chris Jones. We're going to lead off with that very shortly. A lot of you guys are also uh, asking some other questions, and I will try to get to those later on. So if I don't get to your question, if I don't respond to you right away, be patient. I'll get to those a little later on. All right, let's start with the Chris Jones news because, man, this to me... Uh, is it, kind of a fitting way to start off this podcast talking about the Chris Jones story and... The reason I say that is because the last time I did the Chiefs on podcast, one of the biggest topics we discussed was whether or not the Chiefs should pay top dollar to keep Chris Jones. And I was saying at the time, right after Super Bowl 54, I said, you have to keep this guy, especially the contributions he had at the end of Super Bowl 54 when the Chiefs were on that surge coming back, the amount of pressures and batted passes. I rewatched uh, the the ending sequence, the, the final eight minutes of Super Bowl 54 a couple of weeks ago. And man, just the things that Chris Jones was doing in that football game. If I know this guy went a very, very long time without a postseason sack. That doesn't mean he has not done anything relevant or, or, or hasn't done anything to step up for the Chiefs defense in the playoffs. This guy's done a lot of things to help Kansas City 
really become a much better defense. Think of when Glenn Dorsey was drafted. My dad took uh, a friend of mine and I, uh, when I was in high school, uh, to the uh, draft party at the uh, Chiefs practice facility. My God, everybody was going nuts when the Chiefs uh, picked Glenn Dorsey. The things that we expected from Glenn Dorsey we're getting from Christian. And listen, it's not a shot at Glenn Dorsey. I mean, listen, who knows? Maybe the right coaching staff was not in place for Chris Jones, or excuse me, for uh, Glenn Dorsey to succeed at the time. But the, the, my point is the things that we expected from Glenn Dorsey in 2008 and 2009 that we just never got from him, and then eventually went to the 3 4 defense. We're getting that from Chris Jones. Uh, I've always wanted to see the Chiefs get a Vince Wilford type of football player. Unfortunately, he went to an AFC West rival in the Raiders, but the Chiefs now have that. They had that for a little bit in Dontari Poe. He had a couple of seasons where he was one of the best interior defensive linemen. And ever since he moved on, the Chiefs got Chris Jones in the second round in 2016. And this guy has been nothing but great, uh, whether it was as a 3-4 defensive end or as a 4-3 defensive tackle. The only time I ever took issue with Chris Jones' level of play was when he wanted to play defensive end in the 4-3, and it just did not work out. And when the Chiefs switched him back in 2020, midway through the season, he went back to the Chris Jones that we all know and love, dominating at the line of scrimmage in the middle with the interior offensive lineman and winning a lot of those battles. Chris Jones did a lot of that last year. He was tabbed as pro football focus as the best defensive lineman. In fact, pro football focus called him the best de defensive player in the NFL last year. They actually gave him the uh, defensive player of the year award. Now, obviously, that's not the AP uh, defensive player of the year award, the ones that so many people bet on online and whatnot. But the things that Chris Jones does on this defense, um, boy, I, I mean, if, if you were without him in the future, there would be a big hole there. And that would be such a difficult position to replace. Because I remember in 2020, when I said that the Chiefs should pay Chris Jones, I got a couple of comments from people saying, no, you can just make up for that in the draft, it's like, how do you know that, though? I mean, listen, and I trust Brett Veach. Brett Veach has done a fantastic job in the draft for the past couple of years. But when you got a guy like Chris Jones, can you really find his direct replacement? Meaning, can you find a guy that's going to provide the same level of production week in and week out? You're just not able to. You're really not. So... Uh, I do think it's important that the Chiefs keep Chris Jones to keep that success on the defense up front because I also think it's going to help the young guys. George Karloftis, Felix Anudike Uzama, the Kansas City kid from Kansas State who uh, uh, got drafted by his hometown in his hometown. You, you know, not many people get to say that. So I, I, I think having... Chris Jones right there in the middle of that defensive line, a very young defensive line too, is going to help those two guys on the edge there because Frank Clark has moved on to the Broncos. It's unlikely that Carlos Dunlap is coming back. So this is an area where you, you look at the Chris Jones situation and extending him would free up some cap space and would definitely help increase your chances of getting in DeAndre Hopkins. Now we'll get to DeAndre Hopkins in a moment. A lot of people have been asking throughout the week, what is going on with Chris Jones? Why is there such a big holdup? Why are we not seeing Chris Jones and the Chiefs 
come to terms for a, a some sort of an extension here. And I think a big part of that has to do with Jets defensive tackle Quinnen Williams, who uh, I, I think I saw from Pro Football Focus, they ranked him as the number four defensive tackle. Now, listen, regardless who's number one, who's number five, whatever, you know, it, it's not that hard to get paid in the NFL these days. So I think what Chris Jones and what his agents are trying to do, the Katz brothers, Dan Katz being the, the, the leader of that, and I know they're also part of the Steinberg uh, uh, Sports and Entertainment Group, which is the agency for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, they're going to take their time. Look at the Tyreek Hill situation last year. Drew Rosenhaus did not agree to any kind of a deal whatsoever until he saw what other wide receivers were making. Unfortunately for the Chiefs last year, Devontae Adams got traded to the Raiders and signed that massive deal. And that was a negative domino effect on the Chiefs because they could not agree on the guaranteed money. And that forced uh, a trade uh, at the end of the day. Now, Ultimately, that did not matter in the long run because the Chiefs did win a Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill. But my point is here is that Drew Rosenhaus, who's Tyreek Hill's agent, he wanted to take his time, was in absolutely no rush whatsoever to get a deal off and wanted to make sure that he got the the best deal possible. I don't know specifically if that's what Chris Jones and Dan Katz want. I don't know if they want to reset the market. I know Donald uh, or Aaron Donald, excuse me, of the Rams did sign a massive deal uh, last offseason. I think I heard at the time, and listen, it's hard to keep up with these contracts because once someone becomes the highest paid player at X position or uh, among all of defensive players, someone else ends up getting a bigger deal. But I think I saw uh, something last offseason that said that Aaron Donald was the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL, which is insane. For a defensive tackle, you would think, okay, a wide receiver, perhaps, maybe an offensive tackle, given how much of a pass-heavy league we're in. But a defensive tackle, unless an Aaron Donald, I mean, the guy's a monster. Uh, Unfortunately, last year was just not a good year for Donald nor the rest of the Rams uh, as reigning champions. So that pretty much allowed Chris Jones to become the number one defensive tackle in the NFL. Um, So the way I see it, uh, this whole thing at the end of the day To me, I think a deal will get done. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So ultimately, uh, it's better for this to happen sooner because DeAndre Hopkins, he is going to want to sign a deal. And I listen, he's already, and this is, I think, the perfect segue to DeAndre Hopkins right now because he's getting offers from the Titans and the Patriots. Apparently, the Titans have made a more aggressive offer, according to these reports. And there's some talk that maybe the Bills and Chiefs can re-enter the mix uh, if they can make some adjustments with the salary cap. There was a report earlier in the offseason that the Bills were out of the mix because they are not able to meet his demands. Whereas the Chiefs, they're not either right now. So the Chiefs... They have some realistic possibilities of making that happen, whereas the Bills, um, not to say the Bills don't, but their their path to getting DeAndre Hopkins is not as easier as it is for the Chiefs. Uh, Look, if Hopkins was in a big hurry to get a contract right now 
he would have signed with either the, the, the Titans or the Patriots. And listen, as a veteran, and I, I heard Pat McAfee say this on his show earlier this week, the guy's in no hurry. The, the guy does not want to go through the training camp process. He probably wants to wait once the... Um, the dorm part of training camp is over. You know, like when the Chiefs are in uh, Northwest Missouri State, uh, would rather, you know, the Chiefs go home after that uh, portion of training camp and then uh, get to uh, get to the training, uh, their own training facility for the remainder of training camp. So I think DeAndre Hopkins may be waiting for that a little bit because, listen, at some point with that age, you don't want to go through the whole dorm thing, having uh, coaches knock on your door, make sure you're uh, right where you need, need need to be, whether it's you know past your bedtime, whatnot, that kind of thing. Veterans don't like that stuff. They just don't. Uh, they, they really don't. Um, so I don't think DeAndre Hopkins has like a deadline at the moment, uh, preferably you know before the end of August. Uh, but if you're the Chiefs, you got to start making some moves right now because if you can do it sooner – it will give you the uh, the path to getting Hopkins uh, pretty soon. All right, real quickly, just want to take a moment here and talk about our sponsor, SeatGeek. Yes, SeatGeek. We're very excited to partner with SeatGeek. And uh, boy, I'll tell you what, if you guys want to get tickets to a sporting event, uh, a concert, a comedy show, uh, if SeatGeek is selling tickets to it, that is where you need to go to buy your tickets. And if you are a first-time customer of SeatGeek, you can use the promo code Farzine and get $20 off your first purchase. This is only good for first-time customers. What's really cool about SeatGeek, when you look at certain seats that are available, it'll give you a green dot. If it's solid green, that's a good sign. Uh Bright, uh, bright green also good as well. But when it gets closer and closer to red, that is uh, a bad sign. That means uh, you're paying more than you should for this ticket. Uh, whereas if uh, you're getting a green dot, that means this is a uh, a good ticket uh, for the price you're going to be paying for. And if you want to save twenty dollars, you can use the promo code Farzine. Get twenty dollars off at checkout. Again, this is only for first time SeatGeek customers over at SeatGeek.com. Okay, I do have to address one uh, comment here. Uh, let's see. Okay, so I, I've, I've got to address this. I'm sorry. Farzi, why do you keep posting every single thing from the show with Mahomes? Spoil it for everyone. Okay, first and foremost, I didn't post every single thing. Um, if I did, I think I'd be posting, because it's eight episodes. Every episode is at least 45 minutes. Uh if I was posting every single thing, I think I'd be posting every five minutes. And if you post that excessively, you can get pulled for spam on uh, on social media. Second of all, what spoilers are we talking about here? Um, I was going to get into Kadarius Tony next, but I guess now is a good time to get into this. There's nothing major like brand new that you're going to discover about the show. I mean, sure, you might learn a little bit about Patrick Mahomes' day-to-day life. I don't even know if I would say day-to-day, maybe week-to-week, because they don't follow the guys day-to-day. And listen, it would be a very, very long show if that was the case. I mean, look at a show like Hard Knocks. Uh, That is once a week, and it's supposed to essentially recap the last seven days in the span of one hour, uh, you're just not going to get every single thing from the last seven days. Uh, so I understand not getting that kind of coverage. It, it is a little weird how they went with the flow of the episode, and I'll touch on that shortly. But if you think I'm spoiling anything, I, okay, spoiler alert. For, for those of you that don't know, cover your ears right now. Uh, 
the the uh, finale is. Uh, it includes the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. I apologize if I spoiled it for any of you guys. I'm sure uh, the entire show is ruined. Yes, I just I, I just spilled the beans. Uh, Patrick Mahomes won Super Bowl MVP and regular season MVP in the uh, finale of the episode. So if you did not know that before, uh, I just spoiled it for you. Uh, it, come on. Come on, Lucas. What are we doing here? You're better than this, Lucas. Uh, let's see. Uh, let me see a couple of other comments here. Uh, Gwen says, I'm looking forward to seeing how Carl Loftus develops. He was tremendous last season uh, for a rookie. Yeah, he got off to a very slow start last year where he had just one sack, I think, or half of a sack in the first 10 games. And then the following 10 games, uh, including the postseason, he had, I think, nine or 10 sacks. Uh, I don't have that number in front of me, but he played way better during the second half of the season. And that was uh, very encouraging to see because especially now without Frank Clark and without Carlos Dunlap, I mentioned this earlier too. This is uh this is a situation where you, you need your young defensive end and Carlos is to go from a rookie to a grown ass man in one off season. And I think he's capable of doing it. And he's been training with Tom Bahali in the off season too. So that's been cool to see. Tom Bahali, he, he's been training some jujitsu in the past with the uh, Gracie family, Henry and Hiron Gracie, who are coaches uh, for uh, Brian Ortega, who's uh, challenged for the UFC featherweight title a couple of times. They've also uh, trained with Ronda Rousey. I think a lot of you guys know uh, who she is. Um, so it's really cool to see that George Karloftis is now kind of learning from Tom Bahali, who has learned from the legendary Gracie family. Very cool to see. Uh, Scott is saying is Snead up for an extension next year? Yeah, this is a really good question. Um, and not something that I, I'm going to dive into uh, too deep on this podcast today. Maybe on another episode we can do this. But I think you, you got to understand something. Right now, the Chiefs are trying to uh, extend Chris Jones. And as a result, they're hoping that it would lead to getting DeAndre Hopkins. But in the in the following off season, man, the Chiefs have a lot of things they've got to they've got to do. They've got there's a good chance that Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, and Nick Bolton are all going to want new deals. You're going to have to worry about that uh, next off season. Yeah, Legarius uh, Sneed is uh, is a guy that is also going to be probably looking for a new deal as well. Wants to uh, make a little bit more. Uh, and he's been kind of, he had he's had kind of an up and down career. His first year great despite the injuries. Second year took a bit of a step back. Last year stepped up, especially with a very young group of cornerbacks. You know, once he traded Rashad Fenton outside of Snead, it was all rookies at the cornerback position. So uh, it, it is um, it is pretty interesting to see how that's all panned out. Elaine's asking, do you think D-Help will sign with the Chiefs? I'm going to say yes. I, I, I'm going to say yes. I think Brett Veach, as challenging as, as it has been for him, keep in mind, Brett Veach, when he came in uh, to take over the general manager job, almost five years to the, or excuse me, six years to the date, um, the things that Brett Veach has done in these six years, first of all, it was not an easy start. He had to get the Chiefs out of the cap hellhole that John Dorsey put them in. And not a shot at John Dorsey. John Dorsey was an amazing evaluator of talent. It's just, you know, he waited too long to sign guys like Eric Berry and Justin Houston. And when he waited, those guys had their best seasons and you ended up signing them at the worst possible time when you could have signed them a little bit earlier, a little bit sooner. And once you did sign them, both of them unfortunately started dealing with injuries. So it was just really terrible luck on Kansas City's end uh, on how that went. But that is held against John Dorsey still in a way. Um, 
so uh, we'll, we'll see um, uh, what Brett Veach can do. I think he can make. He's made a lot of things happen. Up to, to, keep in mind, after Super Bowl Fifty Five. Brett Veach revamped that entire offensive line in one offseason. And I know the Orlando Brown thing, listen, ultimately th- that just didn't work out for Kansas City. He he just did not live up to expectations. But still, he did find a way to uh, to bring in... Uh, excuse me, I, I saw a notification. I thought it was Chris Jones for a moment. But he did find a way to, um, to bring in a whole new offensive line after releasing Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz the same offseason. Uh, j- j- just a, a complete revamp of that offensive line in one year. Uh, very impressive. So I think he can continue to work his magic a little bit. I will say next offseason, I, and I alluded to this earlier, that is going to be the tough one for him because that is when he will have uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the challenges with guys looking for um, for new deals. Uh, you should broadcast from Minsky's. Um, that would not be very easy to do with all the equipment. I got a lot of new equipment in the last month, so uh, this is our, I've done a few tests, but this is actually the first time I'm doing uh, a podcast, or at least a Chief Zone podcast with all this equipment. I've done some Fartcast episodes with this, um, so it would not be easy. But uh, I, I love me some Minsky Scott. The uh, the uh, what do they call it? The Z-Man uh, barbecue sandwich. Love that. They also came out with the um, no, that was the one they just had recently. The Z-Man uh, barbecue pizza, but the pulled pork barbecue that they've done in the past. That one, in my opinion, is better. Love that. Uh, but yeah, you cannot go wrong with Minsky's. If Minsky, like if all the other pizza and there are a lot of great pizza spots in Kansas City, but if Minsky's was like the only one and all the other pizza places were forced to shut down, I, I would not I would not be upset. Uh, I, I'd be upset for the other businesses because I love their pizza as well. But uh, Minsky's not a um, not a bad spot at all. If you've never been to Minsky's, you definitely need to uh, need to change that. Uh, okay, I'll get into the uh, quarterback series later on. I do want to talk about Kadarius Tony because uh, this is not something I don't think anyone wants to see. A lot of Chiefs fans. Not really happy about this. And if Chiefs fans are not happy about this, I am willing to bet a hundred bucks that Andy Reid sure as hell was not pleased with any of this. So Kadarius Tony was involved in some sort of a Twitter spat with Giants fans. Now, uh, before we move any further, when Kadarius Tony got traded to Kansas City last year during the season, uh, one thing I noticed about him when I followed him on social media is that he limited the comments on his Instagram and Twitter accounts. And I noticed that because when I first followed him right when he got traded is he was dealing with a lot of hate comments from Giants fans, essentially saying, hey, you know, see you never good riddance. We don't ever want to see you again. That kind of thing. Um, yeah, Giants fans held it very uh, they, they, they took it personally that Kadarius Tony never lived up to expectations in Kansas City. And so when Kadarius Toney uh, really came through in a big way for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl with that massive uh, punt return uh, that almost went for a touchdown, longest punt return in Super Bowl history, also caught a touchdown right before that, um, he seemed to you know throw a little jab at Giants fans where he had uh, a replica of the Super Bowl ring and flipped off the camera, that kind of thing. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know why he felt the need to do that. Um, I noticed recently he did open up his social media on, I think on Instagram at least where he allowed comments 
And I did read a couple of comments. I I, I, I didn't go through them in, in detail. I, I didn't really care for it. I just moved on. I kept scrolling by. But I noticed people were saying, oh, hey, you, uh, you finally uh, turned on the comments. Um, and uh, there were some Giants fans who had things to say right away. I've seen some Giants content creators lash out at Kadarius Tony recently. Um, there's even like one Giants blog out there that's part of the uh, USA Today Wire uh, NFL group where they're just name-calling Kadarius Tony. Even Giants fans were calling that out, which I thought was interesting. Uh, calling out the blog, not Kadarius Tony. And then um, I guess somebody with a burner account, and, and listen, when you know someone's using a burner or a troll account, this is the... First and only rule is to not even bother with this kind of an account. But this account has been going after Kadarius Tony to the point where it got Kadarius Tony's attention at 3 a.m. Um, not 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 a good look. So Kadarius Tony sent two vulgar voice messages to the basically it's a Giants fan talking trash. Um, we don't need to get into the de- details. I can't really repeat the things that Kadarius Tony said. Also, a lot of uh, explicit language. Uh, let's just uh, let's just call it that. Okay. Uh, two voice messages to this person, and then a story comes out that Kadarius Tony claims he was hacked, uh, and spelled hacked H A K K E D. Interesting. Um, okay, th- this is not a good look for Kadarius Tony. It's just that. First of all, if you are a celebrity, well, okay, let me just say what I was saying. If you are a celebrity, athlete, whatever, uh, you need to have, uh, what do they call it? 2FA, uh, two-step uh, uh, authentication. That way you don't get hacked. It's, it's damn near impossible to, to get hacked with 2FA. Now, I think everyone should have this. But if you are a celebrity, odds are you have a massive following online and you need to make sure you are protected from every angle on every social media page. Uh, I, I'll tell you this right now. I am. Uh, I've also got things on a uh, flash drive. So it is damn near impossible to get into uh, an account when you are protected like that. So I don't know. Listen, I'm not here to say Kadarius Tony is a liar. I'm not here to say he's telling the truth. I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. But that sounds a lot like his voice in the um, in the voice messages that he sent to this burner account. You know, Herm Edwards, former Chiefs head coach Herm Edwards once said, don't hit send. Just don't hit send. Uh, that is probably a mantra Kadarius Tony should have followed when reading these messages. First of all, I don't know why people open their DMs publicly anyway. It's just not good. Um, you should only have it to where your followers can only DM you, not a random person. Um, that's actually a huge reason why I turned off my DMs on social media. Uh, was getting a lot. First of all, half of it was spam. The other half was just people complaining about my commentary and biasness, even though I was right about everything last year. Let's just be honest. Um, listen, we, this is not the first time this has happened, though. Remember Larry Johnson in 2009 interacting with Chiefs fans on Twitter? This was back when Twitter was not as big as it is now. I mean, Twitter was just starting up at the time. Twitter was hardly like hashtags were hardly a notable thing at the time. But that got his behavior on Twitter, got him kicked off the team. That was part of the reason why. Several years later, we are dealing with Tyron Matthew, who is lashing out at Chiefs constantly 
responding to Chiefs fans, not just responding to them, responding to Chiefs fans that don't even tag him. Uh, so listen, I, I mean, we're kind of left to, um, I know uh, Matthew did a press conference about this shortly afterwards where he made the comment on Instagram saying that this entire fan base is toxic and he really backpedaled on that quickly in the press conference. But a question that was not asked to him in the in that press conference was, why are you responding to tweets that don't even have you tagged? I mean, seriously, like, are you searching your name on these things? Is someone telling you uh, every time your name is mentioned in a tweet? Like, why are you why 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 respond to tweets that are, they're not even tagging you? Um, to go back to the Kadarius Tony thing, like, what is so productive about responding to? A burner, a troll account. I mean, seriously, nothing good comes from responding to a burner and a troller account. It's almost like being, you know, out late and about at night or early in the morning, rather, like at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. There's nothing good that happens that time of, of the day. Uh, no, nothing good comes out being out that late or that early in the day. Um Kadarius Tony responding to someone at 3 a.m. to a burner troll account. Uh, it is like the least productive thing you can do, especially as a celebrity or a pro athlete in this case. It's just not a uh, it's just not a good idea whatsoever. Uh, Danny, hey, I mean, you're. You're speaking common sense, Danny. They should just ignore all stupid messages. Better for all. Listen, I've criticized Brittany Matthews for this in the past. I feel like Brittany has, and I think she's gotten better about this. Although, I, let me just preface, I don't pay attention to every single thing that every single person tweets. But I do remember a time when Brittany would respond to every single criticism, even if they didn't tag her in a tweet. She felt the need to respond or say something to it. And it's like... Why? Who cares? Like, who cares what Karen from Arkansas has to say? And nothing against anyone from Arkansas. I mean, that's just the first thing that came to mind. But, you know, why give so much attention to these people? I mean, if someone, you know, is commenting, saying something stupid, and you want to say something a little snarky, okay, fine, go for it. Those are kind of funny. Like, today I got a, I got a, um, I got a comment because of the uh, Patrick Mahomes um, parts of quarterback. They showed off his uh, new house, the interior of it. And someone was complaining, saying, oh, well, uh, Patrick should be, you know, it's nice that he made all that money and has all this, but maybe he should consider donating some money. Well, well it's like, yeah, he does. Uh, he, he donated thousands of dollars uh, the night of his gala back in December. This summer alone, he's contributed to Big Slick. Uh, his foundation uh, raised some money for uh, that golf event that they had in Hawaii. And then just recently, him and Travis Kelsey were uh, part of the match where they raised money uh, for uh, those who, uh, who are in need of food. Uh, raised, I think, what was it, more than $35 million in 27 million meals. Um, <laughs> Joe says, shut up, bitch, Ty uh, the Tyron Matthew best reply he ever said. I remember that. Um, but still, man, you, you can't stoop to those people's levels. You just can't, uh, you just can't be doing that kind of thing. Um, Jeff has an interesting comment here. I agree that they should ignore the BS. Unfortunately, people's egos make the best, uh, uh, make them want to stand up for themselves. You know, I had a, not to compare myself to a pro athlete, but you know, I, I've had in the past, um, people, you know, saying things to me and, 
even to this day, like nothing terrible, but there are times where like people comment something and for whatever reason, I catch myself replying to that person. I'm like, why, why the hell are you doing that? Um, but I've gotten a lot better with that kind of thing. And like, I, I, I'll tell you what, man, it's been years. Um, you, I can't tell you the number of times I've had people complain that they want to unfollow me on Facebook. It's like, dude, I will do you a favor and just block you from the page. Don't threaten me about unfollowing the page. I'll just block you and make it easier for everyone. Like, like the amount of time you spent threatening to unfollow me, you could have just unfollowed me from the get-go. I mean, come on. Uh, what are you doing with your time? You've got better stuff to do. Uh, <laughs> but it's just... I, I just don't let, let, let's talk about a politician. Do you see the president of the United States, whether it's Biden or Trump responding to a random person online? No. And those guys have a lot of crit critics out there. They just, they just do. I don't want to get too political about it. My point is, you know, there are a lot of, for whatever reason, athletes are awful when it comes to handling criticism. Um, listen, there are actors who get criticized for, um, for certain things, they, they choose not to respond to them. I, have we ever, how many times, let me ask you this, and I don't know the answer. So this is me like genuinely wanting to know and asking. How many times have we seen an actor or an actress uh, where there was a headline that they were spending too much time responding to haters online? Seriously, who is spending this much time caring about what people have to say online and why are your um why are your dms open publicly um don't do that just don't do that scott says where do you think dalvin cook will play dude i do not know your guess is as good as mine look at what's going on right now with saquon barkley and with josh jacobs the running back situation right now in the nfl is a very unpredictable one. I don't know what's going to happen with the landscape of the running back position. I'm not suggesting that it's going to go away, but man, it's making it very difficult to where running backs are having a hard time getting what they feel like they deserve. Running backs were a very important part of the sport at one point, about 10, 15 years ago. Now it's like, look, hey, you are a great running back, but we want to spend our resources elsewhere. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Dalvin Cook. If I had to guess right now, I don't know where he's going to sign. But when? Oof. It might not surprise me if it happens during the season when a team deals with a devastating injury at the running back position. I, I, I'm not not because Dalvin Cook sucks or anything. He's he's good, but it's just because of the uh, landscape of that position right now, the direction that um, that the. Uh, the position's going at right now. Okay, uh, let me just give it out right now. Spoiler alert. Okay, that is an emergency system right there. We are about to talk about Netflix's quarterback. I'm about to spoil the show, apparently, uh, because... Uh, apparently some people are not aware that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. So uh, I, I guess I have to give out that warning. Uh, listen, I'm not going to, in all seriousness, I'm not doing a recap of this show. I'm really not. And even if I did, I like 90% of the stuff you see, at least from the Patrick Mahomes side of things, you guys probably already know this stuff. Um, the Marcus Mariota, like I, I hardly followed the Falcons. 
Um, so the Marcus Mariota stuff, that was very new to me. I did not realize what he was dealing with when he got benched. I had absolutely no awareness of that whatsoever. Um, but in general, man, it's like the only, let me just say this. The biggest things I learned um, was essentially kind of like what he does with his trainer. Um, but again, that's like so minimal. It's nothing groundbreaking. Um, yeah, that's a good word for it. Groundbreaking. You're, if you watch this show and you want to come away with something groundbreaking, like, like, like if this was a college lecture and you're taking notes, dude, I have no idea what notes you're going to take. Cause you're not going to get anything noteworthy or groundbreaking from any of this show. Uh, I want to see the stuff about Mariota having a baby and getting benched. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I just mentioned that Joe. Yeah. Um, that's a very, it, it, to me, that was the part I was looking forward to the most. Cause I heard about that the week of the show. So I was already spoiled with it. Imagine that. Um, folks, this is not like, you know, uh, a new movie that's coming out and someone, you know, reveals the entire plot line on social media and you just happen to see it. Like, let's relax a little bit. Um, really, there's hardly anything groundbreaking. Uh, yeah, I got that from the Pat McAfee show too. Um, now in terms of my thoughts, my general thoughts on the show, not just what you see on the show, but also the production part of it, which was by the way, produced by Peyton Manning. Uh, and I and also uh, Patrick Mahomes PM2 Productions also got involved. So Patrick Mahomes had a hand in this as well. Uh, very good show. Uh, if you like Hard Knocks, if you like Last Chance U, I've seen some people compare it to QB1 Beyond the Lights. This actually made me want to watch QB1. I watched an episode of QB1 years ago and I just could not get into it. This quarterback show made me want to watch QB1, but unfortunately it got pulled from Netflix at some point. Um, so not quite sure, uh, not quite sure when that happened. Um, but it is a good show. So if you've enjoyed some of those other shows that I mentioned, you'll enjoy quarterback, especially if you're a Chiefs fan. If you're a Chiefs fan, you have to see it. Uh, I do feel it was a bit rushed. Um, so for, for instance, in the first episode, the first five Chiefs games are covered on there. But for Mariota, his first two games are essentially covered on the first two episodes. Um, the flow of the show did not make sense to me at times. Like, why are we going in that kind of, why are we going Oh, Here's week five of Patrick. Oh, by the way, we got to go back to week two and talk about Mariota. Uh, it's like, you know, with cousins and Mahomes, it seemed like they were kind of going with the same flow, but with Mariota, it was a weird out of order deal. Not quite sure why. Um, I did like when they were showing uh, Mahomes going out there. I, I, I remember uh, him and Brittany took pictures when they were at, uh, what was it, the Lewisburg Farm? I know a lot of people go there during the fall. And so that was pretty cool to see them uh, do that and, and also show the uh, footage from that, uh, the things that they were doing there, the off time he essentially gets with his family. Uh, Kirk Cousins mentions that Tuesdays is, is his day with his family as long as it's a normal week, meaning that they play on a Sunday. So for those who don't know in the NFL, if, you, if a team plays on a Sunday, Monday is generally like a film recap kind of day. Tuesday, the players are off. There's no practice, no film review, nothing. The only reason a player would be uh, in, need, uh, in need to uh, go to the facilities is if they need treatment for an injury of some sort. That's the only time you would ever see uh, a player go to uh, the facilities on, a, um, on their day off. Otherwise, they're either uh, doing stuff in the community 
um, through the team or they're just at home with their families. So Kirk Cousins spends a lot of that time uh, with his uh, family doing absolutely nothing football related. So does charity, whatnot, uh, and then spends that time with his wife, uh, his, his two, three kids. I can't remember how many he had. Um, you know, I, I went into this not really caring so much about Kirk Cousins' backstory. He probably had the more intriguing backstory. I was wanting more from Patrick Mahomes, and I just don't know if we got that. Maybe I feel that way because a lot of the stuff we saw, as a Chiefs fan, I've already kind of known, but I kind of want to know, like, what is it like to be tabbed as the the the, the mini goat, the young goat? Um, because he does, you know, put on a shirt, jeans, shoes the same way we all do. Um, so I was hoping to see a little bit more of Patrick Mahomes in that day-to-day lifestyle. We didn't necessarily get that from, uh, from the show. Um, I would have liked to see more practice interactions as well. Uh, they showed some practice clips, but not as much as I would have liked. I know Andy Reid did have a very strict policy that if they were going to do the show, that they cannot film team meetings, which I completely understand. That's honestly a huge reason why a lot of teams probably don't want hard knocks. They just announced today that they're going to film the New York Jets, but the Jets really were not a team that was that had any interest in the show in the first place. Um, by the way, let me say this. If you pay, look, spoiler alert, uh, for this, um, for the for the show quarterback, if you pay attention to the dialogue, like for instance, there's a moment uh, between Mahomes and Matt Nagy, the quarterback's coach, who's now the offensive coordinator. Um, you can hear them interacting, and then the dialogue gets a little weird, and you can tell the audio kind of jumps. They cut out some some of the dialogue because they're saying some very specific play calls and play patterns that they obviously contractually are not allowed to reveal on TV. So I thought that was a little odd the way it came out. Came out um, For someone that's done a lot of broadcast work myself, I was able to notice the awkward audio cutoffs. If you're just a casual viewer of docu- docu-series or, or um, uh, these kinds of shows, you may not notice that as easily. So that's just, you know, the broadcast nerd in me that kind of notices that kind of thing. Uh, the family stuff was nice. I love that they had a um, a GoPro or whatever it was in the corner of the suite where the Mahomes family sits. Um, I know Brittany has filmed herself many times in the past, like showing reactions and whatnot. But what about like a genuine reaction uh, of things when uh, when she's not expecting to to be on camera like that? I thought was nice to see because we saw her reaction to scores, bad plays, injuries. And then in the playoffs, like the, the last two episodes uh, focuses on the playoffs. So you see the Mahomes injury and you see the reactions from Brittany and her family. And, you know, Brittany, and I know a lot of people have their opinions about Brittany. Fine. You're, you're not you're supposed to come out of this loving her at the end of the day, but at least just having compassion for the fact that she is a human and is the wife of an NFL player who is putting his body on the line in this very difficult sport, which, by the way, kind of leads me to my next point. One thing that I wish they would show more of, maybe just reactions from big events that are going on around the NFL. One thing I thought for sure we would see would be the quarterbacks, uh, Mariota, uh, Cousins, and Mahomes, responding to the DeMar Hamlin incident that happened on Monday Night Football between the 
the Bengals and the Bills. I thought for sure we would get some sort of a segment where Mahomes would react or Cousins would react or Mariota would react or maybe like, you know, we can maybe watch them watch Monday Night Football or something because um, I would imagine players are definitely turning on their TVs and watching other teams when they're on TV. Um, but we didn't get that. I was very surprised we did not get a DeMar Hamlin type of segment where the players react to what happened with Hamlin. Because um, that was a huge story. The, w- w- because two days later, when media availability went back to normalcy, because the Chiefs did, a, a lot of teams actually did cancel their media availability in respect to the DeMar Hamlin incident. Um, a lot of uh, the media, like the one thing they wanted to ask, the first question was, hey, you know, what did you think when you saw the incident on Monday Night Football? I would have liked to see some of that uh, on this show. And by the way, let me just say this: like, it, it is a very good, good series. I, I like it. I, if I had to give you like a one out of ten rating, I'll give it an eight. I'll give it an eight out of ten. Um, so I, I think what I would have liked to see is for them to not rush things as much. But if that's the case, that might mean more episodes. And generally with these kinds of things, yes, it is their own show. They're not on a network. But still, you do have to meet certain demands and limits uh, within um, within the rules of these things. I don't know all the machinations behind that. Uh, but I do know that is a thing, even with streaming television. Um so that would have uh, been something to uh, to, uh, to look into. Uh, but yeah, if they were to maybe not rush it as much, maybe it'd be 10 episodes instead of eight. Because I do feel like some of the things were, were rushed in the series. I really do. Um, but again, this is their first season. And I think for a first season, um, they did pretty well. And listen, they got pretty lucky too. They picked three guys, um, a Super Bowl champion, a solid quarterback who lost in the first round, and a quarterback who got pulled for a backup spot. Um they got three very different quarterbacks here. They also had two quarterbacks whose wives were also pregnant and they covered um, that whole transition from uh, their wives being pregnant and then having the baby. There's also, there's a moment where Patrick Mahomes was talking to Brittany after the game. He says, Hey, I didn't see you in pregame for a long time. And he thought that Brittany went into labor because she was not on the sidelines for a very long time. So, um, that was interesting. The last thing that I thought I would have liked to see, and this is me as a Chiefs fan, I would have been very curious to see some more Britney content. Um, listen, I, I'm not going to get into it in detail here. I think there is no secret whatsoever. There is this you either love Britney or you hate Britney type of thing. There's like no in between with Britney here. Um, and I think I would have been very curious to see her show a different side of herself, not that she didn't, but maybe address some of the criticism that she receives. If Could you imagine if they filmed this one year sooner when Britney is doing the whole champagne thing with the fans and the amount of criticism she got that week? That for sure would have been covered on the show uh, if they did it a year sooner. Um, I, I would have been curious to see if... Um, if that was going to be a thing on the show, but it wasn't. And I can't say I'm shocked because listen, Patrick has control over this. He wants to make sure Brittany is put in a good light. By the way, one other thing I completely forgot the one big thing. And I can't say I'm shocked that they did not put it, but the one thing I really wanted to see was the audio uh, back and forth between Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy 
at halftime of that Colts game. Remember that game? A lot of people reacted to that. Uh, they covered the Colts game. They did uh, in, in some some depth, but not that part. And I can understand why. Again, Mahomes does not want that to be a story out there in the media because he knows how Chiefs fans in the media react to even the smallest type of things um, because they don't. They do show interactions between Mahomes and the ref, Mahomes and the opposing team, Mahomes and and Max Crosby talking shit. Like holy shit, that part was awesome. I, I went. I probably rewinded that at least ten times. That's how fun that part was in the first episode. Um, so I, uh, I, uh, and let's let me clarify. By the way, that you do hear some interaction between Mahomes and the enemy, and it's like friendly. Like I remember um, uh, for the Super Bowl. The uh, enemy's asking Mahomes, how many tickets did you uh, end up getting for family? He goes, millions, like jokingly. And they're they're both laughing about that kind of thing. So, I, listen, I feel like the Mahomes and the enemy thing was blown way out of proportion by people. Yeah, they've had some, some shit at times. Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels have gone at it a couple of times. Um, I remember uh, Roethlisberger... Went at it with somebody, and I think Todd Haley, who was a former Chiefs head coach and the Steelers' offensive coordinator at the time, I remember him coming in and trying to break up things. So, listen, these things happen. Unfortunately, with Todd Haley and KC, that thing happened way too much. And I remember watching that with Roethlisberger. I'm saying, wow, Todd Haley, the voice of reason? That's not something we saw often in Kansas City. So, uh, real quickly, uh, I got a lot of questions here that a lot of people are asking, so I'll read some of those before we go to our final um, segment here. So yeah, quarterback, check it out. Awesome show. Farzine, how long have you been a Chiefs fan? Well, according to the non-Chiefs fans who follow me on this page and have the top fan badge, uh, apparently I started becoming a Chiefs fan in 2018. Uh, yet for whatever reason, this podcast has been around for a very long time. So I don't know how that works. Um, yeah, yeah. In terms of when I became a fan, I would say in 2002 is when I uh, started following the team. 2003. I mean, you all know about 2003. That was the year I was hooked. Uh, hook, line and sinker. They got me, man. I fell in love with that football team in 03. Um, that was a great year to, uh, to get into Chiefs football. Uh, I can't wait for Aaron Rodgers and Hard Knocks. Yeah, that'll be very interesting. Um, Rodgers was on 60 Minutes several years ago, and he was not happy about how that was edited uh, on the show. Thank you, Christian. I appreciate it. Thank you. Steve says, I think the NFL wants to put the Hamlin injury behind them as quickly as possible. Nothing to see here. Keep moving. Yeah, yeah. but but you got to understand something, Steve. Like this show is essentially going back in time where we are going, you know, from the months of what September because they don't really cover training camp. Um, So we're talking about from September week one all the way through the Super Bowl, whoever was playing the Super Bowl. In this case, it was Patrick Mahomes. We got a little bit of Kirk Cousins because he did uh, take part in the uh, NFL Honors Awards show. So uh, his whole story kind of came back uh, after the play because the finale is like heavily focused on Patrick Mahomes. Uh, They all should argue a little bit. It means they care. Oh, you're talking about the assistant coaches type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. You've been a Chiefs fan since he's with DeBerg. Yeah, that's awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I love that they showed the trash talk. Um, listen, people always complain. You know, Farzee, why do you cuss sometimes? 
you, you have an issue with me cussing? Wait till you watch the show if you haven't yet. Wait till you watch Hard Knocks. Wait till you watch Last Chance You and you hear the coaches and the players and the things they say when they're mic'd up. Um, but boy, listen, I, I don't know when it's coming, but there are going to be a group of Karens who are going to complain about Mahomes cussing. People were complaining about Mahomes a few weeks ago drinking at... Um, at the uh, concert, what's the name of the country singer? Not Taylor Swift. Um, uh, guys, help me out here. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name. But people were complaining about him drinking there. And then the Taylor Swift concert he went to, he he hardly did anything. He didn't even go on stage with Taylor Swift. And people were complaining, oh, he should have gave his tickets to somebody else. It's like, man, it doesn't even matter like what you do at some point. People will just complain about anything. Um Luke Combs, thank you. That's who it was. Yeah, uh, he was at the Luke Combs concert and uh, was on stage dancing, partying, drinking, and it's like, guys, he's not hurting anyone. Like the things that are happening in our world right now, there are hundreds of things far worse than Patrick Mahomes dancing and drinking. For crying out loud, people! My alcoholic beverage preference. Oh, this is an interesting question for a football pod. I, I, I love the questions, man. Keep it up. I love you guys for all of this. Um, my preference, boy, I love Tank 7, Boulevard Tank 7. Um, and, um, you know, I'm generally not a fan of, like, uh, celebrity type of food or drinks. But, my God, Stone Cold Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA, that is really good. Oh, Spicy Margarita? Yeah, Joe. Joe knows. If you know, you know. I'm not even diving. I'm not going to dive into this. If you know, you know. Yeah, spicy margaritas. I love some, some spicy margaritas. Um, but man, the the uh, Broken Skull IPAs, uh, the lager and the double IPA, boy, I, I mean that is very well done by Steve Austin and his, his team over at El Segundo. Okay, final segment of the show. And I want your guys' reactions to this. I really do, because I have some things to say about this. Good old Chiefsaholic. Yes, uh, I, I do want to get into uh, the Chiefsaholic story because you cannot do IPA. Yeah, I, I understand. It's not for everybody. Um, this Chiefsaholic story is so interesting to me because uh, if you read the article that ESPN had, I think around February, it's a fantastic article. It's, it, it's a great article uh, when it comes to uh, just good journalism. Um my God, where he came from, you know, seemed like he was living a good life at one point. And I don't know when, but, you know, the guy goes out there and is placing massive bets online and showing off to like, uh, listen, if you want to show off that you turned $100 into a thousand bucks, okay, fine. I, I've done that kind of thing. But if you're going to, let people know that you turned five grand into 50. I, I mean, I don't really know what you're doing when you are revealing that part of your life. Um, and then people were wondering, hey, hey, you know, how does he have money for this? And he claimed that, you know, he hustles in private, <laughs> hustles in private. Uh, he also claims that he graduated from Kansas State and that he manages multiple warehouses across the mid Midwest. And that's why he makes so much money, allegedly. 
Um, well, when he went missing for that Texans game, people were looking for him online, wanting to do a welfare check. People only knew his first name, Xavier, and that he went to K-State. Yes, Christian, I'm going to get to that in a second. Give me a second. And yes, Elaine, everyone give me a second. I, I, I Keep keep your comments and reactions coming, because I do want to read all of them in a moment here. Um, but, man, it's like uh, people were wondering, like, what happened? Well, his name is Xavier. He goes to Kansas State except he didn't actually go to Kansas State. Uh, then it comes out that he robbed a bank in Bixby, Oklahoma, um, and, uh, you know, he was in jail. He he and his attorney or his bondsman wrote a, a letter to the judge asking to be released for February the 12th or whatever it was, the day of the Super Bowl, because the family had a pre-planned trip there. Yeah. What a coincidence. A pre-planned trip. And that the family would like suffer and all these things if that was not allowed. Um, he he got out, but he had to stay in the state of Oklahoma. And then shockingly, shockingly, he took off his ankle monitor and uh, took off. Yeah, that happened. Um, so let me uh, uh, let me pull this up real quickly. Bear with me. I apologize. I know for the people listening on the podcast version, this is not very. Uh, Sorry, guys, bear with me here. Um, this is not very uh, podcast-friendly content here. So I'm trying to get this. Uh, let me convert this. Okay, should have done this before. Quick actions, convert image to a JPEG actual size. Because the things that this guy did, man, it, it, it was like, why? Uh, okay, there we go. So people started putting two and two together. Listen, I don't understand. Some people have way too much time on their hands to where they can like investigate this entire thing on their own. Somebody actually found out that there was an unsolved bank robbery in Indianapolis in the same week the Chiefs visited the Colts. So people were like, oh, we might know who who uh, who is responsible for this. Because um, if you look right here, uh, it's like, Man, look at that. All these banks he went to, um, look at the one uh, far out uh, east a bit. That first class in, um, oh, no, that, that's not as east as, as they make it look, but Des Moines, Iowa, $303,000. Like, I mean, this is the, if you guys have played Grand Theft Auto V, it's, it's revolved around heists, that game. Dude, this is like Grand Theft Auto 5 material right here. I guarantee you the people from Rockstar who create the Grand Theft Auto games, they are probably upset they could not have come up with this story themselves. Um, I, I mean, this is, I, I hate to say it, but this is kind of impressive. Like, you went to all these locations and you got $845,000 in total? Um, I, I, listen, I can't lie, man. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed. I don't know how this guy pulled it off for as long as he did. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, allegedly Joe, allegedly 10 of them. Um, let me, okay. See, Christian is saying, make a movie about him. Yeah. It's either going to be a movie or a documentary, like a 30 for 30. Uh, Kevin says, leave Patrick Mahomes alone. He's a young black NFL superstar. Just having fun. Yeah. And listen, it doesn't matter what his skin color. He could be black, white, Asian, whatever. 
Um, you know, people who are complaining about his house and partying, come on. If he if he actually like gets in trouble legally, like like a DUI or something, yeah, then let's talk. Until then, this is not a story to me. People are just complaining, just to complain. Uh, he will be a legend whether you like it or not. Just will be. I mean, I suppose Travis Kelsey said so on the Pat McAfee show. Uh, yeah, Christian. It, it, I mean, that's that's the part that's kind of impressive to me. Like that much money you got. Um, yeah, I agree. It's gonna be on, on a thirty for thirty. It, it's gonna be a story out there someday. Uh, another person calling Chiefs a holic a legend. Yeah, he tweeted he was living the American dream. Um, and he tweeted some weird things too. Uh, like saying that, you know, you're not forced to follow me. No one's holding a gun. It's like, oh, okay, well now, now we look back at that tweet. Um, yeah. Okay. Brad mentioned something that I have not mentioned yet. Used, um, uh, uh, put some of these for casino chips. Okay. Here's my question. Um, so look. Do casinos care, ultimately? Like, okay, I, I get the purpose of a casino. They see you spending a lot of money. They're not saying shit. They're going to let you go on and on and spend all, as much money as you can. Uh, they are more than happy to see you spend all that money. But did anybody think, you know, this is a little weird. This is a guy who, you know, somewhat of a young looking guy who's bringing in this much, this much chips in. There's a, um, there's a TikToker who does like these in-person pranks, which are kind of a thing right now with YouTube. Um, and he's, um, and he is, uh, showing off some money at like, uh, gosh, what do you call these places? Um, uh, like pawn shops, uh, essentially. He's showing off like hundreds of dollars in cash in his hand. And those people call 911. I understand a pawn shop and a casino are not the same thing. But my gosh. Okay. Uh, Joe uh, has an interesting comment here. I've worked at a casino. No one cares as long as the money rolls in. They aren't there to question where you get it from. No, yeah, yeah. I can believe all of that right there. Uh, Elaine has a very interesting comment. If you're winning, the casinos care more. Yes. Actually, um, uh, a story that came out last week about Dana White, the president of the UFC. Apparently, he's very, 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 very super duper good at blackjack to the point where allegedly he is banned from every casino in Las Vegas. Oh, the big name casinos from playing blackjack there because apparently he's t he's been taking a lot of money from them. Um like between Chiefs Aholic and Dana White, the the money like they've they've taken away Chiefs Aholic from banks and Dana White from casinos is uh, a story that we need. I remember when he tweeted after he was arrested, his account was taken down with a quickness. Uh, I think he took down his social media right before he took off the ankle monitor because I remember he deleted his social media, which people were like, "Why?" Um, he was arrested at Lincoln, California. His first appearance in court was Monday in Sacramento. That's 50 minutes from my house, so I want to... You want to, you want to be there for the trial? Okay, all right, well. Uh, film it for us. <laughs> uh, that'll be interesting. Okay, here's the thing I want to say about this before I wrap up the podcast. What was this guy's goal? Like, okay, he wanted to be famous. By the way, the guy dresses up as a wolf to all these games in, like... Keep in mind, in Kansas City in August and September, 
it's hot as shit with the humidity and the sweltering heat. Like who in the hell wants to dress up in a wolf costume? I guarantee you Casey Wolf and Slugger, the mascots for the Chiefs and Royals, that is the last thing they want to do. Okay, Joe says clout. Okay, I know clout, but let's go beyond that. Like what what did he want beyond that? Like, was this guy trying to hook up with women? Was he just genuinely wanting to make friends? Like, what was the goal behind all of this? Like, and let me take it a step further, too. Why did you feel the need to lie so much about your occupation, your your college degree, all this stuff when... You know, you're doing this because he would apparently like meet a lot of fans at the games. There's even a story on ESPN about how he would meet a fan in Phoenix. He took him front row to and his girlfriend to a Phoenix Suns game. Not Chiefs of Holic's girlfriend, the, the the other Chiefs fan's girlfriend. And he even got them like a pair of the Patrick Mahomes shoes, the size and color of their choice. It's like, man, this is this is insane. Like you're real. Listen, I do giveaways and whatnot. And, I, and listen, people jokingly like question like, Hey, did you rob any places for this? I'm like, no, I, I did it, but I can understand why people would want to ask that kind of thing. Um, but it's like, man, this guy did these massive premium giveaways too. Um, this is a crazy, this is a crazy story. Um, it really is. I hope the guy gets the help he needs. I don't know. Might be a little too late now. Cause he tried to run away again. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like he seemed like a really cool guy. Everyone had nothing but great things to say about him. But when he would hang out with these people and buy them beer, <laughs> it's like 24 hours before that. Well, wonder what he was doing. Yeah, I don't know, Joe. I mean, maybe those kinds of things. Uh, Kendra says not enough money to be a season ticket member. Thank goodness. Uh. Dude's a damn criminal mastermind and a and coolest, biggest, coolest Chiefs fan ever. Uh, Scott says, America is in trouble. No morals, no value for life. Uh, okay, see, Joe was saying cloud acceptance, approval, ad, ad, admi- admiration, uh, classic narcissistic personality disorder. He just wanted everyone to be him. Yeah, it, it's just so weird, man. Like... Because the guy had a massive... Fo- this guy had more followers than, like, sports talk radio hosts in this town. Um, bloggers, you know. Uh, l- listen, bloggers and content creators have far more followers than, like, actual TV reporters in this town. This guy... And I heard Todd Lebo talk about this on A10. The guy gained fame for being a fan. Uh, maybe a bit of an eccentric fan because he's placing massive bets on Jody Fortson scoring a touchdown anytime in a game. Like who does that? Um, it's just so weird. Listen, man, uh, to me, it's like, how much attention do you really want? How much is it worth it to you to go through all of this and try to hide it? Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's going to be a movie, though. It is going to be a very interesting movie. I will be there, and I, I, I will try to sit front row, and I will try to have my GoPro, just like uh, just like he did. I, I, the, guy was, the guy was going to um, these games front row. Um, you know what it reminded me of, uh, actually, while we're on the topic? You guys remember Marlins Man during the 2014 and the 2015 World Series? I know he has a very nice backstory, Um but 
the guy continued to attend premium events front row. I remember he got tickets to the KU Kentucky basketball game. So, I mean, if you guys know anything about college basketball, KU Kentucky, like that is a huge deal. Uh, Marlins man was sitting like second or third row. And the guy was posting on social media, like begging for people to trade, uh, trade him tickets to sit front row. It's like, dude, you're sitting second row or third row at the worst for um, for a massive basketball game. Just sit where you are. No, he no, Joe. He was not a criminal. Um, I, and I, in fact, I think the complete opposite. I think the guy's a he's a very successful guy. He owns a lot of buildings, so the guy makes a lot of money um, legally. Um, my point with, with the comparison was that the guy is getting trying to get way too much attention, the need to sit front row at a KU basketball game when you're already within the first three rows. Like, what is sitting first row going to do for you? Seriously. What is sitting front row going to do for you? Hey, guys, before I get out of here, big thank you. First episode of the Chief Zone in three years. Uh, listen, I was actually nervous that not a lot of people would be listening live because we did stream this earlier in the afternoon. Um, but a lot of you guys showed out. So if you, if we get a lot of people mid afternoon, I think in the evenings, which is going to be the normal time when we do podcasts, that is when, uh, we will do more of our podcasts and probably expect a bigger, uh, bigger audience. A lot of people showed up for this. Thank you guys so much. Uh, this was awesome. Uh, really appreciate it. Before I go, we got to give a big shout out to our sponsor, SeatGeek. SeatGeek is a sponsor of the Chief Zone podcast. It's a really cool place to go and buy tickets. So if you want to go to a sporting event, you want to go to a concert, you want to go to a theater show, a comedy show, if SeatGeek has it, go to SeatGeek.com. And if you've never purchased from SeatGeek before, I've got a treat for you. Use my promo code Farzine at checkout and you get $20 off your first purchase. This is only eligible for those who have never bought from SeatGeek before. This is only for first-time SeatGeek customers. Use my promo code Farzine. You get $20 off. And don't just get a ticket right away and uh, make that purchase and use the promo code. Check out the seats that they have available because they will tell you which seat you're paying is going to be worth your, uh, the money you're paying. Uh, if there's a red dot next to the next to the uh Ticket, don't buy it. That's a bad thing. It's uh, you're, you, You'd be spending more than you should. If you see a green dot next to that ticket price, that is a good sign. It means you are uh, paying what you should be paying for that seat. And then you get $20 off if you use my promo code Farzine at SeatGeek when you check out. So check that out over at SeatGeek.com. And a big shout out to them for uh, being the first sponsor of the Chiefs. And as we make our comeback, we should have more on the horizon. So uh, be aware of that. Uh, and, uh, we'll have, uh, we'll have, uh, Joe, there you go. Listen, Joe might be Bill Belichick in disguise. Um, I'm not going to say the comment out loud cause I don't think I'm allowed to, but, uh, that is a loophole you can do in the system. Absolutely. Yes, Joe, you can do that indeed. Hey, once again, thank you guys so much for joining me for this episode of farce cat or not farce cast. What am I talking about here? Get with the times, the chief zone. The Chief Zone is back. We will do a Red Friday live stream this Friday. Um, it'll be our first Red Friday live stream in quite some time, so that'll be interesting to uh, to do and see how that pans out, how that goes. I know we'll have more and more things to talk about as we get closer to the season, but 
We are going to have training camp very soon. We are 10 days away from players reporting. Looking forward to it. Thank you guys so much for joining me for this episode of the Chief Zone. Got it right this time. I'm Farzi Vasugian. Subscribe to the podcast. Let your friends know the Chief Zone is back. I'll talk to you guys later. Take care.